Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. We're in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 today. The title of the message is Hearts of the Fathers. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. This is the last book, last chapter, and last two verses of the Old Testament. It draws to a conclusion with the prophet Malachi addressing the remnant of Jews who have returned to their homeland following the Babylonian captivity. He is telling these Jews that uh, prior to the coming of the Lord, one who was similar to the prophet Elijah in spirit and in power would arrive on the scene to announce the coming of the Messiah. He would come before the Messiah. Uh, Notice it says there, when he comes, he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. Now, this prophesy in Malachi, as it closes out the Old Testament, is fulfilled about 400 years later in the person of John the Baptist. Listen, please, to Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. This is the angel announcing to Zacharias about his son, John the Baptist, who will be born. He says, and many of the children of Israel shall he, John the Baptist, turn to the Lord their God. And he, John, shall go before him, the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ, in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah. So he's not a reincarnation, but he comes in the power and spirit of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want to draw your attention to that phrase, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That statement implies that the hearts of the fathers were not turned to the children or to the right things. He's not talking about the muscle in your chest that beats and pumps blood throughout the body. That's not the heart he's talking about. He is talking about the focus, the attention of fathers returning to their rightful place, which would be their children uh, or their families. If that was necessary in John and Jesus' day, how much more necessary is that in 2022? One of the great strategies of Satan throughout human history has been to damage a society by destroying its families, particularly by attacking the influence and leadership of fathers. When the influence and leadership of fathers begins to break down in the home, it sends a ripple effect throughout the culture, throughout the society. It will begin to reveal itself in the educational system, in the workforce, attitudes towards civil authorities like police officers and judges. It even has an impact on the church. Now, as we consider these things, I want to answer three questions with this message today. Number one, where are the hearts of the fathers today? Where should the hearts of the fathers be today? And how can we turn the hearts of the fathers today? Let's look first of all at where are the hearts of the fathers today? I want to begin with some rather startling statistics. 
According to a 2020 census data, only 18% of U.S. households are considered nuclear families, that is, with a married husband and wife and children. That's less than one in five. A Lehigh University psychology professor found that 70% or 7 of 10 criminals come from broken homes. Here's another one. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 19.5 million children, that is more than one in four, live without a father in the home. Now, what is the cost to society of these fatherless homes? Well, 63% of all suicides come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 70% of juvenile delinquents in state institutions come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Scripture is clear regarding the place of a man and where he should be and what really uh, the God thinks about a man who abandons his family and doesn't provide for them. First of all, let's talk about where he's supposed to be. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 8, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Where is a man's place? It's not at work, although that's a good place to spend part of your life. We'll talk about that in just a minute. It's not at the bar. It's not at the bowling alley. Your place is at home. If you are married, if you have children, that's where your place is. Now, if you don't like that, if you don't want to take care of your kids and you don't want to love and take care of your wife, don't get married. Don't have kids. But if you have entered into that obligation, you should do that. And the Bible says when you don't fulfill that obligation, you are worse than an unbeliever. I personally believe, and I'm going to share this scripture with you, that I don't think you can claim to be a Christian and on your way to heaven and not take care of your family. Now, I know that separations occur and divorces occur, and and it's sad when that happens, but you still have a responsibility to take care of your family. A man who will not send in financial support to take care of his children, make sure that they're medically taken care of, they have clothes, they have food. Don't tell me you're a believer in in Christ. Don't tell me that you're saved. In fact, I think Paul would agree with me. He says this in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, that would be who you are responsible for, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. An infidel is an unbeliever. Is there something worse than an unbeliever? Apparently, that's a guy who won't take care of his family. He won't make sure they have food and provide for them. It's a a serious responsibility that God wants us to see. Now, the first question we're going to answer today is where are the hearts of the fathers? I believe the hearts of the fathers need to be turned. If we're going to see our, our nation turn back to God, if we're going to see things straightened out, It's going to begin with fathers. But where are the hearts of the fathers today? Well, I think, number one, the hearts of the fathers are turned towards self. Some have the idea, well, my time is my time. I work, I pay the bills, so I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, sometimes you can be present in body, but that's about it. You can be present in body and even paying the bills. And sometimes people think, well, you know, I I spend money on my kids. They have all the food they want. They have all the toys, the gadgets. That's not what your kids need. Your kids need you. They need your presence. 
not presence as in gifts, but presence as in your bodily there with them, supporting them, going to their ball games and being an active part of their life. But I believe that some hearts of the fathers today are more concerned about self than they are their family. Here's another place the hearts of the fathers are today, and that's toward hobbies. Everything from golf to the lake to video games. Now, some of that is okay. I know that we need an outlet, and, and I'm not saying it's always bad to go fishing or, or golfing or even play video games, but not at the expense of neglecting your wife and kids. You'd be surprised how many men get off of work, and instead of going uh, and taking care of their family, it's off to do what I want to do now. I'm going to go bowling or fishing or golfing. Listen, that's wrong if you, it is at the neglect of your wife and your children. Another place the hearts of the fathers are today is toward money and materialism. We're so busy trying to make another buck and trying to buy more stuff that we could become a slave to it. We work more and more hours to buy more stuff so we can keep up with everyone else that we're unable to relax and enjoy those things. We're, we're unable to enjoy our families because we're either too tired or working too much overtime. I've got a boat, so I've got to work overtime. No, you don't have a boat. The boat has you. You're locked into a cycle and have become slave to your stuff. Sad to say, Christians can get caught up in this same thing. I think the reason that many Christians don't give financially to the church is not that they don't know they should, and they it's not that they don't want to, but they have put themselves in a financial position where they're having to make so many payments on things that there's nothing left, and so they cannot be a blessing or receive a blessing. And it's become a real problem. And it begins with fathers. And then the fourth place the hearts of the fathers are today is in places that I would call addictions. Now, there are all kinds of addictions. One of them is gambling. Gambling is becoming a great problem in America, especially sports gambling, since it became legalized a couple of years ago. $57.22 billion, that's with a B, uh, dollars were wagered in 2021 in America. That is up 165% from the previous year. We're gambling our money away in places like sports and lotteries and things. And look at all the, the gaming places that have popped up uh, in your local town. They're all over the place. And this money is being gambled away. It's an addiction. And then also uh, substance abuse, alcohol, marijuana, opioids, uh, men become functioning addicts. You know, they still go to work and everything, but as soon as they're off work, there they go back to the bottle or back to smoking something or opioids. I uh, told our folks at church, it's interesting, you know, they talk about how bad inflation is right now in the economy, but you drive by our local marijuana dispensary and the parking lot is full. Something's wrong there. Our priorities are messed up. They're in the wrong place. Another place of addiction is pornography. The pornography industry generates $12 billion every year. No longer is it just through magazines, but these things are easily accessible through our phones and our tablets, our computers, our television. These are just some of the places that the hearts of the fathers are today, and they need to be turned. Now, the next question I want to answer is, where should the hearts of the fathers be today? What I'm going to give you now will only work and apply if you have first given your heart to God. If you're not saved and you've not given your heart to God, you need to get that settled. You say, what does that mean, give my heart to God? That means you need to repent of your sin, realize that you are a sinner, 
and ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you, all right? Once you do that, you've given your heart to God. Now you can apply these principles and be a leader in your home. Now, we're talking about fathers today. We're talking about the men. Men, we have two roles in our life, our two main roles. They are not to make a lot of money or to have a lot of stuff or to be entertained. They are two basic roles. Number one, we have a role as a husband. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Don't love your sports team. Don't love your uh, fishing pole. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, the picture of the marriage covenant, marriage relationship between a husband and wife is a picture of the spiritual relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, not the local church, but made up of all born again believers. It's, it's to symbolize that. So as Christ loves his church, husbands are to love their wives. That is your primary role, men, is that commitment to your wife and to love her as Christ is committed and loves his church. The second role then is that as a father. We see that in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. We have two things in verse 4. We have the method of a father and the motive of a father. Listen to chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. What does that mean? That means do not be so overbearing and have so many rules and unreasonable that you drive a wedge between yourself and your kids and even their relationship with God. Don't be inconsistent. Don't be one way on Sunday and they see you that way at church and then another way throughout the week. That's inconsistent. That's being a double-minded man. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You've got to have balance. Uh, being a parent and a father, is it's tricky business sometimes you think about it. You must be congratulatory and complimentary and let them know that you, man, I love you and I'm proud of you. And at the same time, when discipline is necessary, you do that as well. If you go too much either way, you end up with a child that is either spoiled and they become difficult that way, or they become rebellious because dad never complimented or anything like that. And so we have the right method here, but then we also have the motive. What is it all about when it comes to raising your children? Is it about teaching them how to change a tire, how to change the oil, how to shoot a ball or hit a ball? Is that the motive of a father? Is it about teaching them how to get a good job and make a lot of money? No. Here's the motive. In the second part of verse four, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, that means this, that we are to teach them the things of God and his word. Where they should have a knowledge of God before they have a knowledge of anything else. You know, Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Have a great job, have a nice car, have a nice home, go on vacation. What does it profit a man to have all those things and lose his soul? What about your child's soul? That's the most important thing. You see, it doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. I was raised a preacher's kid, and I was not perfect. My children aren't perfect because their dad isn't perfect. They're not always going to make right choices. But when you bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it means they have a foundation. They have a reference point to refer to, especially as they grow and mature. They won't be 15 and 16 forever. You think you'll never get past that, but they will grow up. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is 
old, he will not depart from it. There will be a time they go back to that reference point, that foundation, and that is so important. So fathers, we have two roles as a husband and as a father. And then we have two responsibilities. One of those responsibilities are to be the family watchman, the family watchman. Now, I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 33, but before I do, let me give you a little history here. Back in the days in the Old Testament, they had cities, and they would appoint someone to be a watchman of the city. And what the watchman would do is he would go to a an upper vantage point where he could watch for any enemies that might come against that city. And if an enemy was coming, the watchman was to blow a trumpet to let everybody else know, hey, be on alert. It would alert the military and it would alert the people. Be ready. There's an enemy coming. That's what the job of a watchman does. Now, God in this uh, in this passage in Ezekiel 33 is referencing the nation of Israel. They needed watchmen to warn the nation, and that was the job of the prophet. But the principle here can also apply in the home. As a father, we are the watchmen in our homes. Listen to what it says, and I'll explain this. Ezekiel 33 and verse 1, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman. All right. So they take him and they, they put him in that position. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he sees the enemy, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. He's done his job. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. So let's look at this first point. The watchman does his job. He sees the enemy. He blows the horn, but a person does not heed the warning. It's on them. It's their fault. It's their fault. They were warned. Now, those that heeded the warning and they got to safety, they're going to be delivered. They'll be okay. But if you heard the warning and you didn't do anything about it, that's your fault. If trouble comes, you've been warned. But listen to verse 6. But if the watchman see the sword come, he sees the danger, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. Let's say maybe he fell asleep. Those of us in the military, you've probably pulled fire guard before. And uh, sometimes in those wee hours of the morning, you get real sleepy, but you have to stay awake because you've got to be ready to maybe warn everyone else. But this guy here, he doesn't blow the trumpet. He doesn't warn. If the sword come, the enemy comes and take any person from among them, they take prisoners of war, they kill them. He is taken away in his iniquity. That person, they still have a price to pay, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. What does that mean? That means the watchman who did not warn, he didn't blow the trumpet, he didn't look for the enemy. When the enemy comes, not only will the person be destroyed that didn't hear, but the one who was responsible to be the watchman, the blood is going to be on his hands. Now let's put that into perspective what we're talking about today with fathers. As fathers, we are the watchman for our family. There are a lot of things in our culture that's coming at our kids. 
we've got to be on the lookout. We can't shelter them forever, but we can teach them how to handle things, how to see things from a biblical worldview, and we can warn them, hey, uh, if you get into this, it's going to cause trouble. If you do that, I want to warn you. That's the responsibility of a watchman. But if you're not doing that, if you don't warn them of the dangers of things in this world, and you say, well, I'm just going to let them figure it out for themselves, not only will that bring danger to your child, but God is going to hold you responsible. Their blood will be on your hands is what the Bible says. We as men are to be a watchman for our family. And then number two, we are to be the family worship leader. Now, I'm not talking about, you hear worship leader, you think of clapping of the hands and and uh, singing and that sort of thing. And if that's your style, that's fine. But that's not the, what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about as a worship leader means being the one who initiates a conversation about God in the family. That can be from everything from initiating prayer at the dinner table. Uh, You know, some families, it's like hogs at a trough. The food's just there and boom, there they go. No, do you ever stop and say, hold it, family, we're going to pray. Let's pray before we eat. And uh, whether that's out in the public or at home, you ought to take a moment. Thank you, God, for the food. Thank you for your blessings. It doesn't have to be a great big thing, but dad, you're responsible for that. You know, even something as simple as saying, you know, look at this day. Isn't God good? God's really provided a nice day today. Isn't God good to our family? Uh, Thank you, Lord, for our health. Thank you for what we have. That's acknowledging God. And that takes uh, initiative of a father being a worship leader. God tells that to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He says, and these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. It begins in the heart of the father. And then thou shalt teach them these things of God diligently, that means consistently, unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. Now, we'll talk about sports, we'll talk about politics, we'll talk about pop culture, but do you ever talk about the things of God? Do you ever talk about what's going on in the world and how to relate that to being a Christian? You see, talk of them when you're in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when thou risest up. In other words, there ought to be an attitude always of somehow bringing God into the conversation. That doesn't mean you have to sit around all the time you're in the house with the Bible in your hand, but it means a a referencing of God and seeing things from a biblical worldview. If they don't get it from us, uh, men, where are they going to get it from? They're certainly not going to get it from television or from secular academia or uh, uh, politics or anything like that. It's got to come from home. That's where it begins. And so uh, you say, well, I don't know all the answers. I, I don't know how to talk to my kids about God. If you'll just start, I believe God will give you the words to say. Uh, and there are a lot of good resources out there today uh, that can help you. Sometimes, you know, our children will have questions that are difficult to answer, and we need to be prepared to do that. The last thing I want to give to you quickly, how can we turn the hearts of the fathers today? You know, John the Baptist, as he comes on the scene, the angel says he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He's going to bring bridge the gap of the generations. How do we do that today? Number one, I think we need to give men the gospel. It starts right there. We must give men not just a better way to be a dad, but we need to show them the way to to God, the way to heaven. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is paramount.
about. Then also, I think we need to give men the opportunity to lead. I thank God growing up in the church for the men that I saw. Many of them are already in heaven today, but they set a great example for me. Not only my own dad and grandfather, they, of course, were the closest to me, but other men, as I would see them serve in a capacity, whether it was as an usher, deacon, trustee, uh, or just being a faithful church member, that we need men that'll do that. In fact, Titus 2 and verse 2 talks about the aged men. The young men need to watch the aged men as they are sober and grave, temperate, sound in the faith, in love and in patience. That's how we learn to grow up is by modeling those before us. And then I think also we need to give men the opportunity to fellowship. One of the great benefits of the church is you get to fellowship with people of like mind. Uh, and I thank God again for the men in, in both the churches where I have the opportunity to pastor. We have good men that are good just to fellowship with, you know, before church or after church. Uh, it's just good to fellowship together. That's one of the great benefits of our monthly prayer breakfast. We hold that prayer breakfast on the first Saturday of every month to give men the opportunity to get together and, and be with other Christian men and realize you're not the only one trying to raise your family in a Christian home while in a secular environment. And you sort of get your your charge, your energy from being around other Christian men. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that iron sharpeneth iron. And that's what is good for men to have other godly men to be accountable uh, to and also to have a friendship and fellowship with. Listen, we don't need an economic recovery. You know, we're all worried about that. The, the, the price of gas and food and the, the, uh, inflationary rate and all this, but we don't need an economic recovery. We do not need an educational makeover. We don't need another election. I'm sorry, but those who are putting their faith in, well, if the Republicans get in, boy, things are going to be a lot better. This world is not going to be any better till Jesus comes, all right? Human beings cannot govern human beings correctly. That's not going to happen till the Prince of Peace returns. What we need more than anything right now, other than the Lord Jesus Christ to return, we need the hearts of the fathers that are turned to the children. We need men who will take up a leadership role and say like Joshua of old, choose you this day whom you will serve, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That takes a man that will be a leader in the home. And I believe your wife will appreciate it. Your children will appreciate it. Now be consistent with it. Do it God's way and it will pay off not only in your family, but I think it'll be a benefit to your church, to your community. And we may not change the whole world. We may not even change our entire country, but we can take our part of it and do it the Bible way and the Bible way always works. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you don't have a home church, we invite you to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We begin every Sunday morning at nine o'clock with Sunday school classes for all ages, 10 o'clock morning worship service, and then Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6 p.m. Waltonville Community Church, 1115 every Sunday morning, and we invite you there as well. If you'd like more information, you can visit us on the internet at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com or waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. Also, I'd like to thank those who support us financially with your gifts every month. If you want to be a Bible Truth broadcast partner, you appreciate the truths of God's Word being plainly taught and preached, you can write to us at Bible Truth Broadcast or Bible Truth for Living 
817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Don't forget, we're on a podcast. You're, you can listen to these messages at any time by downloading Bible Truth Podcast, Tim Reynolds, and you will get those updates every time we upload new messages to listen at your convenience. Thank you so much for tuning in today and for listening. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.